Welcome back to the Forgecast. My name is Alex Norton. I've got with me Lachlan Scowcroft from Valhalla Blades. How you doing, man? Not too bad, mate. How's, how's things? Yeah, yeah, getting there. It was a muggy day today. One of those just everything sticky. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the same here in Sydney, mate. It, it really is. I live, in an, I live in an Arctic island. I want my money back. Yeah, Arctic <laughs> island. You expect to have that nice, solid, cold weather, like, Round the clock, it's well. Be... I woke up and it was raining. It was overcast. It was cold. I had my jammies on, put my slippers on, and nice hot coffee in the morning. I thought, oh, it's going to be a bloody good day today. And mm. then the sun came out and it all went to shit. <laughs> that's that's pretty common here in Sydney. Yeah, I need to move somewhere like you know Glasgow. I mean, oh. those people haven't seen the sun since nineteen sixty-seven. I think that's pushing it. That was just a, a brief cloud break. And I think they all... Yeah, that's right. Somebody turned scared. on one of those xenon torches. <laughs> like cockroaches running for the, running for another page. <laughs> well, we'll get into talking about what we've been up to this week. But first, a little word from our sponsors. And today's Forgecast is brought to you by Robert Weber Abrasives. So be sure to visit webbers.net.au the next time you're stocking up on abrasive products. And while you're shopping, drop a visit to nordicedge.com.au for the best supply of knife-making tools, steels, and other materials around shipping worldwide. So uh, I've had a bit of an interesting week. Um, finally got the mill uh, after having it being in shipping purgatory for the last several weeks um it was just a it was just a situation where the courier had it at the local depot and just wouldn't give it to me those couldn't be asked i think it was just a big heavy box i don't want to move (laughs) the heavy box and then when i did get it the crate was just beaten up like hell the bottom fell out of it and and they didn't want to deliver it either they they got here they or they got to the the shop that the the basically the town I live in is so small. There's like one shop, and it's the post office, grocery store, bank, everything all in one shop. Anyway, my, <laughs> my mate Adam's down there, and and he's um, the, the courier turns up, and they're like, "You don't have a forklift. We can't deliver this." Oh. And <laughs> Adam basically just threw himself over the crate, and he's like, "Fucking try and take off. It's <laughs> staying here." <laughs> <laughs> and he's uh, yelling in the door of the shop to his wife, who's behind the counter. And she's saying, "Call Alex, get him, get him down here as quick as possible." And this this delivery guy is like, "What? <laughs> What's going on? I'm being robbed." <laughs> <laughs> so I hightail it down there at top speed, and and this guy is having a go, and it's like, "I can't deliver it. <laughs> we don't have a forklift." And we're like, "At seventy kilos, I'm taking it." That's <laughs> so all. I just, yeah, it's all it is. It's just a little watchmaker's mill. It's nothing fancy. Shit. 
and they wanted a bloody forklift and Adam's just clinging to the box and just not letting him leave. So I turn up and then Adam, Adam was a biker. Like he's got the big beard and he's just yep. like as wide as he is tall and everything. So this poor delivery guy, he's being affronted by this biker. And then this Viking shows up that's six foot five. <laughs> and we're both like, you're freaking staying here and letting us take this crate. The poor guy, he's probably thinking, I don't get paid enough for this. And probably but, sent the guy uh, home with a, with a complex now. Yeah, probably. Never delivering <laughs> a Hagley again. <laughs> Full of freaks. Well, I mean, so is Sydney, so it's, it's yeah, a very solid true. assumption. I'm amazed that parcels ever get delivered in Australia, to be honest. But, <laughs> um, like, after being put on hold so many for so many hours of phone calls and being told it's on the truck when it wasn't on the truck and then having it booked for delivery on a public holiday when I knew it wasn't going to get delivered and I finally have it it's set up and I'm going through the process <laughs> of dialing it all in and I saw uh, that it's, very it's, cool shit man it's just just bliss having it it's just I was just saying to my wife it's like what if you wanted to just put a groove down the middle of a piece of steel like doing that without a mill, just oh, think no. of the process that you'd have to go through. Like you'd be sitting there with a Fordham and carbide burrs and then you'd be trying to neaten up the corners and you'd be in there with files and it would take days yeah. and, and it would even probably just, still look terrible. <laughs> even just for me to try and get to a point where I'm ready to at least vaguely attempt that, there are so many panic and anxiety attacks involved. Like, <laughs> yeah, but when you have that mill, you're like, yeah, screw it, we'll throw it in. And you can just cut it, cut the slot and do whatever you need. Yeah, just it opens up so many doors. Or even just cutting a guard slot in a oh. like a hidden tang. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's... everyone's gone through that process of like center punching holes and drilling and then cutting out yeah. the webbing and then filing it down. And oh, a mill that... is just zip, 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 zip. That, that yeah, was the whole reason so... why I didn't even attempt to try a hidden tang like just until i got my my meal it was just like I, just, I can't be asked putting that much effort in <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean there's still a, a lot of um like finesse involved and, and oh, technique yeah. involved massive and, learning and curve mills are it, it's, it's by far now the the most complex tool in my shop by a wide margin um and so there's still a lot of skill involved in using it, but once you know how to do it, it can take a job that would normally take you four hours, will take you 10 minutes of setting up and then maybe five yeah. minutes to execute. It's just yeah, crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's great. To finally have it means that I can work faster and work more precise. And even though it's massive overkill for just a little little watchmaker's mill, I've got a DRO on it that's got five micron um, accuracy. Oh. So um, not that I'll probably ever get close to that. With I mean, it's not an expensive, fancy mill. It's just it's it's a mill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, man, you you work with what you can what you can get your hands on. That's yeah, that's, that's all part it. of the whole knife making journey. Is, and it's part know, of the journey because you 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 buy what you can afford and then you upgrade later. Absolutely. But um, the other new toy that I got um, last week was my fly press. Uh, number six oh, fly yeah. press. I remember. Um, I remember seeing that. that yeah, I've been working on the dies for it. Um, so it's just going to have some pretty simple dies, but um, just some uh, small rounding dies, bigger rounding dies, and squaring dies. And yep. um, 
I was saying to my mate Broden, like you, you don't need a huge range of them because a fly press does something that no hydraulic press or none but the, the really high-end ones can do, and that's be able to control the amount of force. Mm. I mean, you can you can sort of feather in on, on good presses, but you know, no, not everybody can afford the really high-end ones. We're usually working with like converted log splitters and that, which basically have yeah. on and off. It's got <laughs> the entire force of the ram or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas a fly press, you can really sort of dial in nice textures. And I work in really small billets because um, mm. I, I make exclusively pocket knives. So um, having a nice range of dies on that, I'm really looking forward to, to actually giving it a go, giving it a swing, yeah, try, be... trying not to knock myself out. Well, I mean, you don't have, at our age, you don't have the same stamina as Jason Allard. So yeah. <laughs> he is like, well, you know. And it's, that's what I've got, and that's what, how we're, we're going with that. Yeah, that's right. Yep. You, 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 when you're in your 30s, you start feeling the, the decline. <laughs> oh, especially with me. Like I've had 39 broken bones, a car accident. I've been in a hit and run. Ooh. Like, man, I've been Jeez. feeling this shit since I was 21. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, yeah, I've got, got Crohn's disease. My body's just been deteriorating since I was, at, you know, about nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good kick in the guts you're watching someone do something it's like ah, no yeah i saw that remember uh in a, a while ago in the blacksmithing community there was that um push-up challenge going around oh yeah i'm watching no way I'm like, in hell no <laughs> it's not happening <laughs> yeah I'll turn the camera 90 degrees and do it against a wall. <laughs> that, that that you could have done and had your wife like pulling on little strings that were tied to your clothing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. See, you could have made it work. And that then you could have hilarious. shown up Jamie and everyone else. Do it with like one finger. Yeah. Even it's like, you, uh, you, know, you know, in you don't mess with the Zohan where he's in like yes. no hands, <laughs> just do his toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always, oh, always man. a good reference point. Yeah. Um, I also, um, for, in, just because I was waiting for the mill for so long, the mill table, the bench that I built for it, was getting fancier and fancier um, and more well-built. And I did, yeah. I got a lot of tooling for it, as um, as a lot of people would have noticed. I spent twice as much on tooling as I did on the mill itself. Um, <laughs> but it needed like an organizational system for all that tooling. Yeah. Um, so spent some time doing that. Uh, and the only other real thing that I've done the last week was I finished Tusk, which I've been working on since October of last year. I noticed. Very nice work. Very nice. I was I was pretty happy with it. It didn't last long. Um, a collector got it, so it's oh, staying in congrats. the country, luckily, which is nice. Good stuff. Yeah. The last couple have gone to collectors, which is, is nice because you always kind of hope that the nice ones won't get used. Like you yeah. could use it. It's a tough knife. It's Baker Forge and Tool Steel, which is lovely stuff. But um, it's it's pretty. I want it to stay yeah. pretty. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree with you, man. It's, it's one of those things where you're like, I've made you to be used. Yeah, that's right. But. I'm keeping but. you in the case. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. That, that one you did with the that Kydex sheath with the um, the brass around the the bottom and that. Oh my! Um, um, that that strikes me as one of those knives you'd never want to see it used. Oh my boredom project. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that was oh it was definitely something that was way out of my um comfort zone. Mm. Um, because I I'm not usually a one of those guys that will make a big knife and um because my ma- my mother was diagnosed with stage four bowel cancer and um it, it took a lot of um a, a lot of wind out of my sails yeah and i needed something that was going to allow me to escape and actually just go, look, what's the craziest thing you could ever do? And especially with my, um, with my tooling and my heat treating capabilities, I was like, let's do something big. Mm. It's got to be big. Um, and I'll, I was like, screw it. Let's go a, a big 11 inch blade and just 1084, which I got from Bjorn, who is an absolute champion of a guy he is um and um and the the steel had just been sitting there in the corner i've got to i've got to put it just got put out of my mind so it was um it was a good relief project it was um it allowed me to sink a lot of my stresses and you know all that stuff into the into the knife um, it's why those overly complex ones where you, that force you to push yourself can be really good because you're so focused on going, how the hell am I going to do this next step that the rest of the world kind of fades away? Exactly. No, I, that's what happened for me. Um, and like I was looking at it, I'm like, it's got to have a big, it's got to have a big guard. And I was going through all of my brass stock, which you have some of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. You've been um, keeping me in brass since like 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to keep my peak stopped. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I had all this brass scrap laying around. I was like, screw it. I don't want. I don't want the guard to be stacked. So I, I need to. It's got to be one solid block. So I ended yeah. up. I made like a, a shitty crucible at work out of some mild steel and threw it all in my forge and. Um, made a two-part mold yep and then actually your advice helped on that it was uh i, I coated the inside with graphite mm-hmm. and then ended up i poured a block that was about 22 mil after all of my final machining and and cleanup process yeah and then i was like oh that's big <laughs> um, but yeah, it all came together, and it was one of those projects where I could just shut everything off and be in that moment and allow allow the process to just take me. And yeah, it was it was definitely a good project. Hasn't sold yet, but are you are you kidding me? No, it no. hasn't sold yet. No, I, I'm a, I'm a bit um. 
bit cautious to let it go. Well, I um, can understand that. But, but yeah, it does have a lot I'm surprised uh, you haven't met people lining up, knocking on the door, waking you up in the morning. No, I mean, with a $1,200 $1, price tag. It's um, worth it. You can see but, that just by looking at it. Um, yeah, it was uh, so many firsts for me. That it was my first four-layer Kydex sheath. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the uh, Helm of Ore that you put in it. Oh, that was a massive... Massive stress point for me because oh, I'm like, all right, cool. If I, if I can cut the the main lines out on my mill, which I made, I made a, a fixture plate for the Kydex. I'm like, all right, cool. I can do this. Got all the main lines and all that done, and I'm like, ah, ah shit. Now I need to do the detail. Mm-hmm. So I did all that by hand with my Dremel. Went out, bought all brand new cutters for my Dremel. All right, cool. I can, I, I can get this done. I can get this done. And there's always that hype talk you've got to get yourself just mm-hmm. to get yourself ready to try that that next step that you've never done. And you're like, no, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to get this done. But, and um, those little tight corners would have been, you would have seen them vibrating as you're going oh, and thinking, don't break, don't break. Yep. Yep. And then I had to go and make it more difficult for myself because I, I did a uh, two brass like two brass piece overlays on the bottom end of the, the sheath. Yeah. And um, I, I was racking my brain like how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna do this? And I was talking to my lovely wife, honestly, that woman does not get enough credit for the shit that she deals with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, and we ended up. It's it's the one thing I have. I love about having uh, a creative partner is you can bounce so many different ideas off of. And absolutely, like, uh, actually, she was the one that uh, designed the um, bind runes for your your wife and your pendants. Mm-hmm. One of those um, is protecting my anvil. That's awesome. Um. Yeah, so she she helped me fix everything up. And she goes, oh, okay, but what if you stonewash the guard and then you can stonewash your brass overlays and then, you know, actually have them contrast really well together. Um, so uh, it was a pretty, I was like, holy shit, yes. And then I'm like, hey, what if I do some engraving? And then it just, it just snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up I engraved the 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 black one in uh, Elder Further runes on the one on the brass overlays on top. Yep. So underneath the brass overlay, I've machined it so it hides the Kydex studs perfectly. Oh yeah, cool. So there are um, three Kydex studs under the brass overlays, and then I was like, ah, screw it, we'll just paint it together. Yeah, it ended up. It came out much better than I expected. Yeah, I, I particularly loved the um, uh, Sam and I are always talking about use of um, contrasting finishes on facets of knives. Like yes. you might have a, a false edge on your your knife's clip that's a mirror polish, but then you might have a four hundred grit satin on the bevels or something like that, and it adds interest. But one of my favorite parts of that build was the the shield shape of the finger guard how yep. it was just this rough hammered texture on top, but you'd actually taken the, the 
like micro bevels around the side to a sheen and yeah. um, it just yeah just framed really nice i was one of those crazy ideas uh, it's the one thing i've always stuck with is um those crazy ideas like even if you get them at three o'clock in the morning you, you've got to write them down because by the time you fall asleep and you wake up next morning like what was that idea <laughs> so I'll, I'll keep a notepad next to next to the bed and you know i'll wake up at you know, some stupid o'clock in the morning with a crazy idea and i'll quickly write it down and if i can try and decipher my half sleep reading, <laughs> writing in the morning then we'll, we'll try and snowball from there but um that's the one thing i've always i've always pushed for a lot of people in the community is do that crazy shit. like get well, that's, out it, that's, how you, that's how you grow yeah, uh, you've got to get out of that comfort zone and learn new techniques, learn new tricks, or even if you fail, it's still a learning experience. So, it's why yeah, I'm like, such a big ad- advocate for the 48-hour dagger challenge because it's oh, by no. all, it's, it's, no. it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> no, not so when me. You, was... So when you finish it, you, you realise that it wasn't impossible after all. No, not for, it's definitely impossible for me. I'm way too OCD. <laughs> oh, I've you got think to I'm not? <laughs> I've, I've got to try and plan every step, and then even that, like, it's got to be done precisely. And yeah, even even as like progress, progressively get better in my knife making. It's it's one of those things. Oh. Like, I've got to plan for it. I've got to plan for it. I can't. It's it's got to got to be planned. Well, if you keep putting out knives like that one, you you won't be far off. <laughs> uh yeah no that's i will it's uh one thing i love about the challenging knives and the ones that push you and make you a better maker it's it's one of those things you just can't help but genuinely love those projects yeah. like it might give you absolute sh- like beyond like crazy amounts of grief during mm-hmm. that making process but once you get it done like ha, 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 i won and it, they're the ones that you begin to cherish and like really you don't want to let go of i i get that more and more regularly i'm finishing knives that i just really don't want to sell I, I've got <laughs> to say, it's a slippery I, slope you can't you can't start that because otherwise you'll end up with hundreds of knives and completely broke <laughs> yeah that's it especially when like you do it full time <laughs> oh no it's why i love it when time. it's in a collection because it it means that you know, at least you can know it's safe yeah and you know that that time that you sunk into it you're like oh that was worth it like the guy who bought uh tusk off me uh, has been messaging me all afternoon. He's like, so I use Renaissance wax. Is that going to be suitable? I'm like, oh, mate, you don't know how happy I love you're you. making me by asking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's always a great, a great moment. Or is, um, one thing I, I always love is um, at the last knife show that I attended, um, a collector had actually bought my most expensive knife off the table. I, I was, that was one of those things. I was just completely, I thought I'd way overpriced it, what it was worth. And, um, and I thought no one's going to buy it. So it's okay. It, it can just go into my collection when I get home. 
mm-hmm. and it was the first one off the table. And the gentleman that bought it was an, a really lovely guy. And um, by the time he walked, he, um, yeah, by the time he walked away, and I realised who he was, and the name clicked. And I'll be honest, I fangirled for a bit. I, I just, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, do you know who that was? And my wife's going, I don't know. Why are we jumping around? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'll admit, I was genuinely jumping around. And last thing people wanted to see was this grown-ass man with a beard in a kilt jumping around his table. <laughs> was it? Shaking. Were you traditional with the kilt? Aren't you? <laughs> I never wear kilts. <laughs> um. You don't want to jump yeah. too high if you're being traditional with the kilt. Exactly. So, who, who was it? Oh, shit. I've forgotten his name. It was it was that long ago. I I completely, with COVID, everything's just wiped from my memory. Just, just like one... a, a well-known collector or was yes. it another knife maker? or No, no, no. A, a well-known collector in Australia. Yeah, right. I wouldn't um, know the name of a single collector in Australia, really, until, until they buy it from me. This gentleman has the ha, has a love for Bowie knives. Okay. And um, like, honestly, it was at that point I was like, "Holy shit! I, I, I've actually done something that a collector really likes." Yeah. And he was willing to pay that price for it. Mm. And um. The, the the surprising moment for me was on the Sunday he actually paid to come back to the knife show and shake my hand and thank me and tell me how much he loved that knife. And That's awesome. It was that point where I'd actually felt that all of the all of the stress and the blood and the all that amount of work you've put into the your journey so far has been beyond worth it it's like some decent recognition yeah i wasn't you know here i am some goofy knife maker that's just been dicking around for the past <laughs> couple of years and just doing whatever i want it has actually gained the attention of someone who has no problem in going to a table and going i like that knife. i like that knife. i like that knife. can you wrap them up and that was that was one of those moments like holy shit i've made it as a maker like it's that that recognition was just it, it sparked that fire I was just like i'm gonna do so much better and i'm gonna make sure that next time you know next time they're gonna be better they're going to be worth you know that that price point hmm. yeah I mean, it's it's funny. I always say to people, like, everybody knows the knife. Every knife maker knows the knife that once, uh, from that point, they were really serious about it. Yeah. And and if, if you don't know that knife, you haven't made it yet. Yep. But if you have made it, you remember which one it was. Um, and from that point, it's like everything just fell into place and clicked and you knew that you were on the right path with it. Yes. Um, yeah, for me it was the mallard. 
Yeah. I remember it. No, I remember knowing, like I could feel it holding it in my hand. It's like, I get this now. I yes. get it. <laughs> yes. I, I, for me, uh, even though I do cop a phenomenal amount of shit from naming each one of my designs, um, for me, it was the Yazgard. And it was yeah. uh, my first time using Damascus steel. Yeah, and right. the guys from Odin's Arms had contacted me. Like, Look, we'd, we'd like you to make us a show knife. And, you know, you want, you know, Valhalla Blades, Odin's Arms. It's going to be a collaboration piece. Yep. And I was really... I, I was really apprehensive because I'm like, it's my first time using Damascus steel. I can't fuck this up. This is one of those things where, like, if you screw it up, it's going to hurt so yep. bad. Uh-huh. And then I, I ended up, I got it done, and I looked back. And I, well, I remember standing there at the table, and I took a step back, and I looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, this is for me. Yeah, and I can remember the entire handle. It was it had stainless four one six bolsters, mm-hmm. and then I I bought uh, African ebony from Bjorn at Nordic Edge, and I was looking at more. Oh, yes, and that was it. It just everything felt natural yeah yeah it's like like you were uh, almost like you were following following fate yes exactly yeah Uh, the the lines on that one were were wild too that one at the asgard (laughs) like the silhouette of it was it was mean oh it was one of those knives that when you held it like you wanted like you just wanted to fuck shit up yeah. it just it had that vibe and like the stronger you gripped it it was just yes um yeah i liked the two-tone spacer that it had um i actually oh. have since used that look in in knives because of that knife it was it was um Thanks. yeah that was a long <laughs> that was a long time ago oh dude that was 2018? No. Wait. It'd be over three years ago. Oh, easily. Easily. Um, yeah, it was It was definitely one of those things that, um, because that knife, it was one, at the Sydney Knife Show, um, it was one of those things that actually put everything to into, um, into place for me. Mm. Um, with that knife, it, it allowed me to actually stake my claim in knife making in it's Australia. Like saying, Here I am. <laughs> that, exactly, because I'd been to the knife show the year before, and I only sold two. I only sold two knives, and that as a make, like as a maker, honestly, it it destroyed me. It was one of those soul crushing moments when you see all, all these people. Not just that, but all these people that you've become, like you've come to know and regard as as friends, and 
you know, you see knives bouncing off the tables and you're standing like, uh, I've, I've only sold two. And uh, it was definitely, one. Of, it was a soul-crushing moment for me. Um, Have you also found that with uh, familiarity with the knife shows, because, I mean, it's not just the knives themselves that sell knives, it's showmanship and and you as a, as a salesman selling knives, do you find that you've evolved and sort of learnt the ropes a bit by doing more shows? Um, oh, to be, to be quite honest, I, I, I just wing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing for me that feels comfortable is I, I can't, I, I can't talk myself up. So, um, I allow my knives to do it for me. Um, if I can make something that someone will see at the table and they'll pick it up and they'll feel it and they'll feel that instant connection and they don't want to let it go. Yeah. That, that for me is the, the sale for me. That's where I'll get my enjoyment from the shows. To be quite honest, it's, you know, someone feels Watching it. people that, fall in love. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that experience. It's, it's one of those things where, um, Yes, it, it, val- it validates you. Um, like there was a, a gentleman at the second knife show I was I was attending, and he picked up the the show version of my non-fang knives, and he's like, "I love this. It feels so great in my hand." But I'm here for a chef's knife. <laughs> I was like, "That's okay, mate. We've got plenty of great chef's knives here." And I gave him the names of like four different makers, like Merc Tansu, uh, James yeah. Oatley, uh, Dimitri Popov, and Tim Ford. And I was like, "Look, these are the guys you need to talk to. These are some of the best chefs knife in Australia." And he's like, "Thank you very much." And he smiled and walked off. And it was not even two minutes later; he was back at my table and he picked up the knife. He goes, "I need this." <laughs> uh, it left that, an imprint in his hand. <laughs> but that's the thing. I I, I I like people to feel that the knife is a part of them. It's got to feel natural, and you know, you need that that um that connection with something. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, like knife making for me, it's a big mental health thing for me it's you know i've got my own demons i'll I'll admit you know i'm i'm not afraid to ask for help and i'm a big advocate for um mental health and you know Mm -hmm. i think that it's it's definitely something that has helped me and saved me in a lot of dark places Um, that's why sam and i always say that um in ignis veritas there is truth in the fire exactly yeah um and it's it's so much so much so that it's actually be, um it was one thing that my brother said to me and i was going through a, an extremely dark moment in my life and um i it was one of those things like i was talking to my brother and he'd um there was three words he said rise rebel resist 
And ever since then, it stuck with me and it became the motto for my knife making. And You totally need to do a blade with that on the, the bevels. I do. Yeah. Just like electro etch down the side, that'd be awesome because that's, a, that's oh. a really great, it's powerful. It is. Um, and it was actually at the, at, at the dead start of my knife making journey. Um, and like, I can't thank my brother enough for all the, the wisdom and the, the strength that he's given me throughout my years. Older and, brother, um, by the sounds of things? Very much so. And yeah. he's actually the reason for my love of music. Um, yeah, right. It was, he'd always taught me that no matter what, um, hardship there is in life. There's always music. Yeah. Um, yeah, I find yes. great solace in listening to it, playing it. it, it it's always uh, calmative. Oh, I, I don't have the skill to play it. I, I really don't. As much Either as do I. I still do, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, knives are my music. Very much so. Um. But yeah, my brother Jason was, he was definitely a massive impact on my life. Um, even as kids, there was always, he'd play Nirvana, Nine Inch Nails, uh, as much as I hate it, Bjork, um, <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's the reason why I love Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, yeah, massively eclectic taste in music and... Uh, definitely a massive part of my music taste. <laughs> well, this is this is a wonderful opportunity to segue into your song of the week, and you can add uh, add something that means something to you to our incredibly uh, and growingly eclectic Forgecast playlist. <laughs> yeah, I, I chose um, in this moment, and it was the promise. Yeah, powerful band. Oh. At Maria Brink, her voice is just phenomenal. Um, she came a long way from Whoville. Big no, uh, that's Taylor um, Taylor Mumford. Taylor Momsen. Oh, that, oh yeah, it is too. Yeah, yeah. So they're pretty reckless. Similar vibe, but not, yes. not the same band. <laughs> no, it was one of those songs that I heard. And I was like, shit, that is just phenomenal um just the, the contrast between maria brink and uh adrian patrick the the contrast between the two voices was just what absolutely spot on and yeah you know you got adrian patrick and he's just got that really aggressive sounding voice and they're on the on the softer side maria brink and it was just Oh, they complement each other perfectly. Definitely a spot on, spot on it's choice. Definitely a good band to add to the mix because uh, we haven't got any on there. And um, yeah, myself and my wife are both big in this moment fans. And they've got a, if you haven't heard them before, they've got a great sound, really, really great mm. sound. Um, this this week, um, my song of the week is uh, I blame Sam for it because. Um, I was, uh, I, I like video games quite a bit and um, 
I've always been a fan of Doom ever since it came out oh. um, way back in the day. Yeah. But um, the new Doom games, um, Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal, uh, a lot of people don't realize, but they have a dynamic music system, mm-hmm. which actually um, flows and changes and adds instruments and things based on what's happening in the game. Yes. And um, it doesn't just have tracks like other games do. And it's uh, incredible technology behind it. And there's there's documentaries about it that you can watch online. But they did piece together um, soundtracks, so official soundtracks for mm-hmm. both games. And a while back, Sam added um, BFG Division to oh, the, yes. the playlist. Oh. And I'd never... I'd played the games, but not actually gone through and listened to the um, the OSTs of them to to hear the constructed music from them. That's mm-hmm. sort of like it's their version of like um, you know the getting the collecting the vibe of the game. And so I went and I got both full OSTs, and I've just been binging them. When you need to get some shit done, oh, they will they will get the work done. But the I think the best track, like BFG Division is a killer track, but the best track for me and the one that I kept going back to is the first track of the Doom Eternal soundtrack, and it's called Mm -hmm. Hell on Earth. Yes. And it opens with this sort of like, um, uh, sort of like, oh, what was his name? Uh, Who was that uh, horror like b-grade horror guy back in the day that had the amazing voice bruce campbell no 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 no, no. back further v- oh Victor, wow vince something so oh v- vincent, vincent price vincent price yeah yes. vincent price kind of voice uh opens a narration that's basically saying that against everything that hell can muster we yes. will send only you and then he says, rip and tear until it is done. And the yes. music just hits like a tidal wave just smashing into you. And it's such a good track. Like it, one of it's opening that... is good. But when yeah. it finally kicks in, it's just like, it's like snorting cocaine. Not that I, It gets your that. blood pumping, honestly. The, Mick Gordon did a phenomenal job on that soundtrack. Oh, it's insane! Oh. Absolutely insane. Um, but it's 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 like a it's it's like shotgunning an energy drink just listening to this song, <laughs> <laughs> which I have I, I done def- by the way, and I do not recommend ever doing I, that. I can't say I have. I've never had that idea, but I'll, I'll yeah. um, take your advice. <laughs> yeah, it was a five hundred mil mother energy Ooh. drink and i sh- i shotgunned it like a beer i do not reckon i my heart is probably still trying to come down from that. <laughs> um but yeah that hell on earth from the doom eternal soundtrack it will get you pumping absolutely um definitely check it out um i know we don't normally add multiples of the same people to the playlist but this one had to go on there no, I, I think Mick Gordon did a phenomenal job on both those soundtracks. He was, yeah, he just nailed uh, it. Absolutely. And another Aussie. Um, and you I'm can tell to... he had fun. Yes, I watched some of the documentaries on it, and I, I got to say, man, he, he absolutely nailed, nailed that. Well, they came to him and they said, "We don't want to hear any instruments." 
And he's like, what do you mean? <laughs> you want music? And they're like, yeah, but we don't want it to be music, music. And he's like, leave it with me. And he just came out with this gold. It's incredible. Uh, BFG Division will always remain as like one of those things where you're just like, fuck yes. I, I need yeah. to get shit done. And just that that really aggressive baseline was just, oh, mm-hmm. And it sticks, it sticks in your head too. Like it's, it a, it's like a worm. It is. It's one of those things. Like I've listened. I need to listen to it again. I need to listen to it again. And it just becomes yeah. one of those things where you. It, it's one. It's definitely one of those things that just. It just gets your heart racing. It's like I can do this. Yes. And definitely get the the whole of both OSTs because they're brilliant. Mm. They're just absolutely nonstop goodness. Yes. But um, now, Lachlan, we have a few listener emails that have been sent in. You may be able to help me answer some questions. I hope so. Yeah. So our first one is from Jimmy Y. (laughs) And he says, hi, guys. Thank you for all the great work you guys have been doing for the last few years. The Forgecast is a weekly staple of mine. And you guys have been very helpful in answering all my questions. I had another two I was hoping you could help me with. The first is... What hashtags would you recommend a new knife maker attach their social media posts to? I'm just now getting to the point where I feel comfortable with my knives and I want to show them off to a broader audience. At this point, I do not specialize in any type of knife. The second question is about forges. I've heard a lot about Don Fogg style forges and wanted to learn more about them. It seems to be popular among a lot of the smiths of the ABS. From pictures, it appears to be similar to a postbox forge. Are there design differences that I'm not seeing? Also, what advantage does a postbox forge offer over a horizontal forge? I guess that ended up being more than two questions. Thank you again for all the great work and advice. Jimmy Y. Well, yeah, some good questions there. Um, it's funny, actually. I noticed that um, Lockton will probably tell you he... he has his little, um, I, I think you always use the same hashtag. <laughs> yeah. posts. Oh, um, that's, but, I can't, it's more so I can't be asked. It's just like, I've got them copied. I've got them saved on my clipboard. Yeah, that'll do. Well, it's really funny. I have been two. doing a long-term experiment of monitoring my analytics while changing out hashtags because I am that guy. Yeah, <laughs> and I have noticed no difference, and um, I get the same results on even posts that I don't have any hashtags on. Huh. It seems to make no difference whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's very strange. Well, be creative with it. That's the only advice I can what I can add is um, yeah, I'll always add that one smartass one. Every, yeah. every couple of posts. like uh, I think my main one is hashtag don't be a twat. <laughs> yeah, and, and also I think you've got fuck hashtags. Oh, that was, yeah, I can't want to do. Um, only because as a person, I hate using hashtags. It's one of those things that I, I, I could not come to grips with being uh, on social media as like hashtags. Yeah, but uh, the thing uh, is, I mean, I like to remind people, how often do you actually go and search through hashtags? Never. Um, most people don't. Um, <laughs> the only crowd that I've seen that really does do it regularly because they can never get enough content in this field uh, is the everyday carry crowd, like the pocket dump crowd. Yes. Um, they yeah. love that stuff. They drink it like Milo. Um, <laughs> so I usually, if I'm going to use hashtags, I'll use um 
hashtag EDC, hashtag mm-hmm. pocket dump, and hashtag everyday carry. Um, just because those guys love knives. Um, also, cater to your audience. Um, like if you're making a hunting knife, like hashtag hunting, um, mm-hmm. hunting America or hunting Australia. And um, there's uh, knife porn is one. Yes. Knife Instagram. Knife Instagram oh. is a is a very oh, prolific that hashtag. One, that one bugs me. Uh, yeah, but um, really, I've I've been experimenting for a couple of years now, and I've found zero difference in the number of new followers that I get over any given time, the attention that I get on posts, the number of posts that go viral, nothing. And every post, in fact, that I've ever had go viral because every so often the Instagram algorithm will pick up a post just randomly and expose yeah. it to tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, yeah. Every one of those that has ever happened for me, and it's happened four or five times, um, has been on a post that has no hashtags. Every single one. So, um, can only really give to, my own experience. I feel that last one. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've got a horizontal voice, so you're, you're the guy. To... All right. Um, well, Don Fog Style Forge is a bit of a. Uh, is a like a, he has a few <laughs> he has a few different things he was he's sort of uh sam knows much more about this sort of thing than me but don fogg has pretty much designed every type of modern forge that people are using um the guy's a genius with his forges like for example sam's giant sword heat treatment um system that he's got made out of a barrel that's a yep. don fogg style um the post box style that i have is a don fog style it's just he's he's a guy that has been innovating forges forever so a don fog style forge is pretty much any type of cast forge at this point. <laughs> um but the, uh, the the one that you see both sam and i use is a post box forge um, which I believe was actually come up with by Don Fogg. There are modifications and variants of Postbox Forges, but I'm pretty sure it's a Don Fogg style. Um, the benefit, the main benefit is that, that the um, it has better heat retention because the doors on a Postbox Forge are quite small. Um, but the main benefit is that the f- active flame coming out of your burner never touches your steel. You get all of the benefits of the ambient heat and hot air rises. So basically this chamber below the window is just filling with this heat and it's all flowing upwards. So you never get hot spotting on your blades. You just get nice even heat across the whole thing. Um, and to be honest, I it's like once you pop, you can't stop. Once you've used a post box <laughs> forge that's well built, you've got to insulate them pretty heavy um, yeah. because – Having the, the, the openings at the top, it makes heat just want to pump out of them because hot air naturally rises. Um, so you want to you want to make it very thermally efficient. I've got on mine two inches of ISO wall covered in two inches of hard castable. Uh, it's 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 chunky boy. The whole thing yeah. is quite small, but weighs about twenty five kilos. Mm. Um, and I'm actually going to be rebuilding uh, another one when I get refractory. I've contacted three different companies, including ones two of them have been recommended by people. And I've reached out and I'm like, can I get a quote on this? And just heard nothing back. I'm on my third place now. And they're just, nobody's responding to me. Maybe I've got a reputation. I don't know. But um, I will. (laughs) What did you do wrong? I am going to be building another uh, Postbox Forge uh, because I just, I love them. I think they're just great. They're wonderful. (laughs) So 
Um, you will never get quite as even a heat as you do on a post pox forge um, with other types of forge. It's bloody great. I love them. <laughs> so hopefully that answers your question, Jimmy. So uh, our next email comes from Bino and he says, Hey mates, I was curious about what is the best oil, wax, etc., for finishing handles and wood components such as wood pommels or guards. I'm thinking about Renaissance wax because I heard that you guys use it. Would that work for my sword handle? Does the type of wood matter? Again, thanks for all you guys do. I hope and pray that Sam is doing better. Your friend Bino. Yeah, we all we're all rooting for Sam. He's doing yeah. all right. He's a tough one. Uh, to quote um, the legend Barry uh, Billy Birmingham, "Hurry back, mate. We miss you." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but you sort of answered your own question there. Renaissance wax is the bomb. It's great. It's really good. You can use. Um, uh, what do they call it? Paste wax, like furniture polish, paste wax. Um, it's another type of wax you can use, but it's, uh, there are other micro crystalline waxes, the types that you want to use the best, I think for, for creating a nice polymerized wax finish for protection of wood and metal and leather. If you're into that, uh, is a micro crystalline wax and Renaissance wax is my personal preferred micro crystalline wax. I don't know if you have oh. anything to add to that. No, um, uh, for me, it's it's uh, Uncle Bjorn's handle finish. That yeah. stuff is phenomenal. I, I don't know. The thunder if from just... the tundra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Give your handle a nice rub with Uncle Bjorn's handle finish. Handle, handle juice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've put on some that... put on some Barry White. Yeah. Light some yeah. candles. Look, you got to make it as as comfortable as possible, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've actually still working on the same bottles I bought from Yawn. Oh, shit. Um, long before he had the, the shop, the, um, his shop front, um, that was just as he was starting Nord, um, Creative Man, but now Nordic Edge. Mm. Um, I, I Honestly, I have used that stuff on synthetics, woods metals everything and it, it's just honestly i can't talk highly enough of it definitely i have if you're yet to use it actually I've, I've heard a lot of good things but i've not actually tried any myself i highly recommend it it is um, great stuff the only reason i haven't to be honest is because um buying a jar of renaissance wax is like buying a jar of marmite it's oh. like a, t- a <laughs> tiny jar is like a life supply oh hate that stuff <laughs> no i'm a vegemite man oh yeah mate vegemite everyone Spread says like oh. good quarter inch thick yep yeah everyone Teeth says oh like my mate tastes the same my mate tastes the same as vegemite it does no not. no it does they're, not they're the same people who think that coke and pepsi taste the same oh you just want to slap them with you know, just anything you've got handy as long as it's got a solid weight you just want to oh. <laughs> that's right <laughs> I heard that from my parents every time they bought Marmite. No, it does not taste the same. It does, it does not. not. It really does not. No. Also, like what type of Marmite? There's like three different flavors. Really? And one of those flavors is not Vegemite flavor. No, it's, it's just, it, no, it, just no. 
So you hear that, people? Stay the hell away from Marmite. It's yep. not good no. for you guys. It's not good for you. Burn a hole in your stomach. <laughs> Vegemite, it'll give, it's like Popeye's spinach. Like yeah. You just get stronger. On your chest. Yeah. <laughs> Start becoming irresistible to the opposite sex. <laughs> <laughs> or the same sex. Me. Whatever works for you. Or the same. Whatever, yeah. whatever sex you want. Vegemite's the key. <laughs> I mean, I, I won't lie. I have noticed co- getting a couple of eyes from the guys at work when I've had, when I've had Vegemite That's toast. right. You bend over the, the to, to, you know, butter your toast and yep. start raising some eyebrows. That gets awkward real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that all answers some questions that you had and some questions you didn't have, Bino. <laughs> <laughs> And our final email comes from Keith, and he says, Sam and Alex, I recently listened to episode 148, which was hilarious. That was, uh, for those listening who don't remember, I think that was the um, Neil's episode where we went to uh, Forging Myths. That was a really <laughs> funny episode. Uh, was that um, the one with you and your mang tank curing herpes? Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's, uh, Keith says, I took your advice. I made a super quench with urine from an Irish redhead virgin, blood of a ram and mayonnaise, and made a blade so amazing it cut our national debt in half. <laughs> he says, okay, now on a serious note, I have two questions. One, I have been a bladesmith for about two years now, and I would like to start making axes. However, oh. I cannot find any books that are similar to you at Oakshot or Jim Harisalus. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, do you have any that you can recommend? And question two, being a military veteran and current law enforcement officer, I battle with severe PTSD. Bladesmithing has saved my life and my marriage. I would like to, at some point, once I obtain the knowledge and skills, try to offer blacksmithing classes at the local community college here in the States, not only to educate people on the craft more, but maybe help others who are in my situation. Any idea on how to start a class on bladesmithing at the community college? This is the best and most informative podcast I've ever listened to. Both of your YouTube channels are amazing as well. Keep up the great work and thank you for all you do for the Blacksmith Bladesmith community. Thank you, Keith. Thanks, Keith. The check's in the mail, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, all right. So I'm not familiar with the books by those two fellas, but I do have some book recommendations for you on axes. Um, not necessarily on axe making, but on axe use from a time where axes were relied upon quite heavily. And so a good source of study for geometries and the techniques in their use, which will affect how they're made. Uh, so the first one is called the axe book and axe is spelt just A-X. It's called the law and science of the woodcutter by Dudley Cook. Uh, I would also recommend Axes and Associated Hand Tools by Thomas C. Lamond. Um, that one also covers all sorts of things like sawing tools and all the tools needed to maintain your axes correctly in the field. Uh, and the final one is called Selections from the Chronicle, The Fascinating World of Early Tools, Trades, and Technology. That's a compilation from newspaper articles from way back in the day where people used to talk about this sort of thing instead of all of the horseshit that they talk about in the papers nowadays. So, <laughs> uh, 
um, yeah, those would be my recommendations for there. As for starting a class, to especially with the thought of helping other people that are in your situation, I, I really like the sound of that. I think that's massive great. hats off, Matt. You've done it's a it's an awesome idea. Yeah, I've worked with veterans before with PTSD, and it helps them a great deal, a great deal. Um, it's worked for uh, my own depression problems. It's it's a it's a wonderful craft, and to be able to actually reach out and help others, that's doing some proper good in the community. Yeah. Um, as for advice on how to do it, uh, we don't have community college here in Australia, so I, I don't know the specifics of getting into a community college to teach. However, when it comes to a class, uh, break it down into steps. I I used to teach a lot and then I just ran out of time, so I stopped, but I broke it down into... Uh, I realized that even if somebody wants to learn knife making, if you're forging out a knife, you need to learn basic forging techniques first. So um, I broke it down into all of the techniques that they would need and what they are doing to the steel, independent of each other. Um, and I would teach them hammer control, teach them about uh, feeling the rebound of the anvil, um, maintaining the fire, how fire worked, all that sort of stuff that you take for granted. I find when you're teaching somebody something, especially if it's something that you yourself do as a regular thing, there's all these little things that you take for granted, simple things that, that you just do and you don't think about it anymore. Um, if you're going to teach, you need to actually track down each of those little things, those little steps in your process that you just do without thinking about it. And you need to present it to the students because um, they are coming in as a blank slate and they don't already know this stuff. And it can it's, it's the biggest slip-up I see with people teaching is that they assume that the student's going to know certain things because they assume it about themselves. So, have you done much teaching, Lachlan? Oh, God, no. No, no. way. I, <laughs> I, I am a, a terrible teacher. Um, even the guys at work can attest to that. Um, <laughs> um, though, honestly, um, I think it's a phenomenal idea. I think it's it's definitely great. Um, I, I come from a military family, and my uncle, who served in the Vietnam War, came back with, like, honestly, a terrible PTSD. So, honestly, mate, I massive hats off to you you're doing a, a genuinely great thing and i wish you the best it's it's um yeah i, I it's a great yeah. idea I, I can't say a bad thing about it especially with my own mental health um and dealing with my own demons and and shit on top um yeah. knife making has definitely um not only saved my marriage but definitely saved my life um, yeah. So, honestly, mate, uh, I, you're a legend. That's it. I mean, even if it was to lead to one person being saved, then the entire thing's worth it. Exactly. No, I my, completely could agree with you, mate. It's mm. my mentor served in uh, the Malaysian confrontation in Borneo. Um, when Vietnam War was going on, there were other theaters in Southeast Asia as well as Vietnam. Uh, and Borneo was one of them. He served in that. And when he came back, he immediately quit the army after the things that he witnessed there and had to do. And he took up blacksmithing and pottery, uh, both dealing with fire. And he found yep. that peace in that fire. It's, uh, no. it's an amazing, amazingly powerful thing to, to quiet the voices. 
Exactly, it really is. So, um, to actually uh, try and bring that to others as a noble cause and uh, tip tip of the hat to you, mate. Yeah, mate, definitely. I'll have a scotch for you. Yeah. I'm on my fourth, but I'll have one he's at, just He's having you. it right now. It's all right. <laughs> I, I, I cause a lot of people to drive to drink, so it's it's I'm used to it. <laughs> but I'm drinking good stuff, so it's Highland Park. And, oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Only the best for the Forge cast. <laughs> Always. <laughs> well, we hope, well, hearing from our listeners is always great and hearing how you guys love the show is great. Um, but don't forget, guys, we have a Forgecast competition happening, which has prizes coming up. Um, and this time, for the first time in the Forgecast's over three-year history, uh, it's a team of two. And you don't necessarily have to be physically present. You can do this across the globe if you want to. Um, and the competition is to make whatever you want but you will be judged on the whimsy of the final product. We want to see whimsy. Maybe it's a little clockwork mechanism. Maybe it's a sculpture. Maybe it's just whatever. doesn't matter. But we want to see equal uh, participation from the entrance. If you absolutely need to have teams of three or four or whatever because you can't decide on people, that's fine. Uh, but we want to see equal contribution from everybody. Um and it's got to be at least a team of two. But you will be judged not on the quality of the build or the finish of the build or anything, but the overall whimsy because the world needs more whimsy. Definitely. You want to see, see something that's absolutely pointless, <laughs> just, but just makes you smile when you see it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're trying to play the crowd, everybody knows how much I love clockwork uh, mechanisms. So... I'm not not saying it'll it'll get you to win, but it won't hurt your chances. Let me tell you, if there's some, <laughs> if there's some sort of mechanism going on in there. Um, if you want to see my favorite whimsical device of all time, and I have not brought this up yet on the show, um, look up. There's a um, oh, what are they what do they call it these days? Uh, a useless machine, I think it's called, or a useless box. It's basically a, a box is sort of like a, a box with a switch on the top. And if you flick the switch, a little arm pops out and turns the switch off again and goes back inside. Have you seen one of these? Oh, they're great. Yeah. But some people get really creative with them and make them uh, really intricate. And the, the, the little arm that comes out has all sorts of little personality quirks and things. And it's, it's pointless. Like there's no point to this thing. But it's <laughs> but one of those things. <laughs> You look at it yeah. and like, holy shit, that's, that's, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, I've owned a couple of them over the years. They're just great. <laughs> but if you if you want to, if you're if you're struggling and you sort of don't know what I mean by something whimsical, because it's not a word that's used very often anymore. No, unfortunately, really it should be. Uh, go on YouTube and look up "useless machine," and you'll find uh, probably my favorite all-time whimsical thing. Yeah. Um, we, we want to see team efforts of building something whimsical. Now you're gonna you get two months for this. We're we're stretching this out. So all of March, all of April, we're judging at the end of April. So you've got lots of time because we know the international shipping is a bit hectic at the moment. Um, but 
most people I imagine are going to be sort of near the person that they're working with, but we have got some international um, things going on. The, 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 I mean, the, the effort of dealing with somebody on the literally on the other side of the planet is not going to go unnoticed by Sam and I when we judge this, let me tell you. But, um, yeah, really, it's just the whimsy. We, we want to be grinning ear to ear when we look through people's entries. Absolutely. So, but uh, that's that's about all we got for this week. Um, huge thanks for you coming on, Lachlan, and, and no, uh, taking the place of Big Fudge while he's away. No, happy to help out, mate. That's, that's been a pleasure. So where can people find you if they want to go looking for you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook as just Valhalla Blades mm. or um, Hipstagram is Valhalla Blades underscore one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't post much, but when I do, hopefully it's a good one. Yeah, well, I, I want to see more and more people going to see in that, that bloody knife that you did. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's a good one. Um, Definitely, I, I've been inspired by a few makers to kick it up a notch. So, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Are you gonna, yeah. are you gonna thinking of trying to make something whimsical? Oh, I suppose I time is not on your side, really, is it? No, I, I thought about it, but two months—that's not long enough for me. Um, yeah, I, I do have a, an upcoming project that um, another maker and I are going to be working on. Uh-huh. Um, is it whimsical? So I don't think it's whimsical per se, um, mm-hmm. but I'll be designing and making a Warhammer 40,000 for our uh, sword. Oh, cool. Like the chainsword um, or? No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking old school power sword. Yeah, gotcha. But Are you going to do it going... full size? No, I'm going to make it functional. I, oh, I can't have anything that's going to be like over the top big. Um, but uh, a fellow maker and I, um, Julian, he goes by Julian's knives, was actually kind of challenged me to it. Yeah. So I, I've decided to go with my favorite Space Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just done a rough base drawing. But. Um, I did that, and I'm like, man, I'm going to have to do, like, a Viking broadsword as a sister project. So I'm thinking maybe some 1084, 1095, and just go all out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the sort of thing you you want to go all out on, really. I mean, if you're going to do something like that, why not? Well, I figured... You know, I, I'm uh, branching out into casting my own brass and copper and bronze. Mm-hmm. So it's going to give me another avenue to look into. Um, but, yeah, honestly, I, I, I've been inspired by so many makers to step up my game. I, I Honestly, I could not choose one to go from. Um, well, I mean, that's that's the joy of this community. I mean, if you just wait five minutes and there'll be something else inspirational popping up. But that's the thing. Like, you have so many different phenomenal makers out there, um, not just overseas, but well within Australia. Yeah, well um, within your neighbourhood being in Sydney. Yeah, like you've got 
Shane Partridge of Black's uh, Black's Blades, uh, BSG Cutlery, uh, obviously Julian's Knives. Um, massive shout out to my mate uh, Nathan James Knives. And then you got overseas. You got like Cast Knives, um, like the Sabral Brothers. Uh, obviously Kyle Roy, who's just mm. an absolute legend and a massive nerd that I really like. Um, yeah. Honestly, the list is endless. There's too many people to choose from. And they're all getting better. They are. Honestly, seeing Kyle step up and just go from, you know, Excelsior to everything else is just a massive inspiration. Yeah, we had him on the show a couple of episodes ago and he was saying how he wants to um, learn more about engraving. I'm very interested to see where he takes that. Yes, honestly, it's definitely going to be an, an interesting watch. But yeah, honestly, the fact that he's a massive Star Wars nerd just it gives him that extra footing. Oh yeah, <laughs> it always wins points for me. Yeah, every time I see see him post something, I always get the sudden urge to type "Rebel Scum" on his <laughs> on his post, like. Mm. Maybe not. <laughs> Block. <laughs> yeah, last thing you want is just go, oh, well, maybe not. <laughs> yes. but, um, yeah, honestly, it's uh, definitely, I could not choose this week. It's like massive, ma- too many people to name. So, And new ones popping up all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even just seeing people in the in the knife community just step up that game with every single piece that they make is honestly it's definitely it's it's inspirational to watch. Oh and, yeah. I mean and sometimes every so often somebody'll do something that just drops your jaw as soon as you see it. Absolutely. And then watching them not only take that win and then actually progressing further and further each time, it's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly. Well, uh, it's, it's one of the, the main reasons we have this show is that people can help uh, further their own learning and um, learn about things that they may not have known about, be introduced to people that they may not have known about and uh, get that inspiration. And um, like we... Uh, read some emails before answering questions that people might have mm. uh, but if if people want to actually email in questions to the show they can either um, find us on uh, facebook and instagram and, and dm us there slide into our dms um, <laughs> or they can email us at ask.forgecast at gmail.com and those emails uh, the questions that you have will likely get answered on the show if they're nice, quick ones, we sometimes just zip an email back, but uh, yeah. most of the time we answer them on the show. I won't lie. I am grateful nobody asked about my uh, knife maker's heat-treating protective cup. That's <laughs> a big relief. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you never know. Maybe next time. Oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> They'll start messaging you when they start inundating your, your Well, what's this page. protective cup? Yeah, trust me, guys, <laughs> you don't want to know. 
some questions you don't want to know the answer to. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, you massive thanks for coming on the show, man. It was great talking no, to you. Not a problem at all. Anytime. Good to have a fellow Aussie on the show. Uh, Got to help him out. Couple of Aussies and a couple of Valhallas. Yep. That's how we do. That's how we do. And if people want to find me, you can find me at Valhalla Ironworks on uh, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and Patreon and various other places. You'll find me. I'm like a bad smell. You can't forget <laughs> But we'll see everybody again with another episode and another guest next week. Catch you all later, guys. See you, guys. Thanks for having me.